So today we're going to continue our series entitled The Good News of Great Joy. And as you guys know, we have dedicated for many years the entire month of December to celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. So Luke chapter 2 says this, speaking of Mary, it says she gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today. Come on, somebody has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a babe wrapped snugly in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Last week we made this statement. We said the birth of Jesus and the message of Christmas is the good news that brings great joy to all people. And that as believers in Jesus Christ, we have, right, we have the hope of the world and we have the only message, think about that, we have the only message capable of bringing eternal life. There's no other name given under heaven by which men must be saved, and that name is Jesus Christ. And when you think about the significance of that, when you think about the fact that God has entrusted the advancement of his kingdom into the hearts and lives of men, we are the vehicles, we are the vessels, we are the instruments that God has chosen to use. The Bible says, how can they believe in whom they've not heard, and how can they hear without a preacher, right? Somebody's got to tell them the good news and how can they go unless they be sent and I just want you to know Liberty Church is a sending church we want you to know that every day when you walk in this building and you walk out the doors of this building you are being sent out to be a witness for Jesus Christ we gather so we can grow and we grow so we can go into all the world and make disciples amen let me say that again we gather so we can grow and we grow so we can Go into all the world and make disciples. This is not a Sunday morning social club. This is the army of God. Can I get an amen? And we are being equipped and we are being empowered and hopefully we're being encouraged and inspired to take the hope of the gospel and share that with people. So let me just challenge you today. Invite somebody. We are 14 days, two weeks away from Christmas. Seven out of 10 people, 70% of the people that are not in church today said they would go to church if somebody would just invite them. So let me challenge you, invite somebody this week. Just make an invitation, your family, your friends, your coworkers, strangers on the street. It doesn't matter because everybody needs Jesus, amen? And why don't you just invite them to come. We got some cool stuff, the Christmas photos next week. We got a special gift for everybody next Sunday, December 25th, Christmas morning, 930. We're gonna have a special communion, special carols. It's going to be an awesome, awesome day uh, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ and just a great opportunity again to invite people that may not normally think about going to church, but now they're thinking about going to church because it is Christmas. And so let's make sure that we're taking advantage of those opportunities. Okay, so last week we talked about how that the gospel is good news because Jesus saves. He saves us from our sin. He saves us from Satan. He saves us from ourself, gives us a brand new heart. Can I get an amen from somebody so we can live brand new lives? So today we're going to kind of just go a little bit deeper in what the angel said. The angel said the good news that brings great joy is that a Savior, the Messiah, and the Lord, Jesus, 
has been born today. So look at that next point or first point for all you note takers today. So the gospel is good news because Jesus is the Messiah. He is the anointed one who is sent by God to redeem the world. Jesus is the Messiah. The word Messiah in the Hebrew means anointed one. In the New Testament, the word Christ, Jesus Christ, is the New Testament word or the Greek word that means anointed one. Jesus is the anointed one. He is the Messiah. He is Jesus Christ. How I many you know Christ isn't his last name? <laughs> that was supposed to be funnier than what I thought it was going to <laughs> It didn't work at 8 o'clock service either. I should have knew it wouldn't work here. Jesus Christ is not his last name. It is his identity. He is the anointed one. He is the one set forth by God to bring redemption and salvation to the world. Jesus is through his birth, through his life, through his death and his resurrection. He is reestablishing, redeeming what Adam lost through his rebellion in the Garden of Eden. Jesus has redeemed and restored for me and you that whosoever would believe in him would not perish. Amen. But have everlasting life. Jesus is not just the anointed one. He is the only one. Let me say that again. He is the only one that can save us. So let me just give you some information this morning. I thought this was interesting. There are over 330 prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus or about the Messiah. Over 330 prophecies. And Jesus fulfills all 330 of those prophecies. Now, the mathematical probability that any one person could fulfill all of those prophecies prophecies is really it's really too astronomical for us to even begin to wrap our minds around and so a college professor a mathematician did a little homework with one of his classes and he broke it down he said what if we just looked at eight what if one man fulfilled eight of the Old Testament prophecies prophecies given hundreds sometimes a thousand years before the birth of Jesus what if one man fulfilled eight of those prophecies and here's what they found out the probability of one man fulfilling eight of those prophecies is one in one quintillion. That's a one with 18 zeros after it. And a quintillion is a billion billions. That's about as much money as Stephen has, but it's really close, right? A billion billions. I mean, it is a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of numbers. A one with 18 zeros. That's just eight of those prophecies. So the odds, let me say it like this, let me paint a little different picture. So the odds of one person fulfilling any of those prophecies would be like taking a silver dollar. Any of you guys remember a silver dollar? Some of you young guys have probably never even held a silver dollar. But imagine if you took a silver dollar and you put an X on it with a Sharpie, and then you covered the entire state of Texas with silver dollars two foot deep. And then you took one man and you blindfolded him and you let him wade out into the state of Texas two foot deep in a sea of silver dollars. And with a blindfold on, he reaches down into that sea of coins. The odds of him pulling up that one coin with that X on it is one and one quintillion. That's the odds that one man could fulfill eight of those prophecies and Jesus fulfilled 330 of those prophecies. So let me give you some information. We're going to put a little slide on the screen. That professor, his name was Peter Stoner. He was a college professor and a mathematician. This is what he said after finding that revelation or that realization from mathematics. He said, any man who rejects Christ as the Son of God is rejecting a fact 
proved perhaps more absolutely than any other fact in the world. He said the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, mathematically it is proven that he is without a shadow of a doubt the Son of God. And it is probably the most proven mathematical, analytical, logical fact on planet earth. So for all you intellects out there, for all you mathematicians out there, for all you folks who are analytical in how you process things, understand something. Understand that coming to Christ does not mean we check our brain at the door. Coming to Christ does not mean we abandon scientific or mathematical information because here's what we know. The God that created the universe is the God that created all those things. And when you look deep enough, true enough, far enough, you begin begin to recognize that everything, including mathematical equations, prove that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. He is the only one. Amen? And he came to seek and to save those who are lost. That's me and you, by the way. Amen? So let's talk about this good news today, that Jesus is the Messiah. So the gospel is good news. It brings great joy because Jesus is the anointed one. And not only is he anointed that we might worship him, but he is anointed that he might bring the kingdom into the hearts and the lives of men, that we might experience the fullness of who God is, that he may reestablish, reclaim, and redeem us back into a place of intimacy and fellowship with the Father, that we might know what we were originally intended to know when Adam sinned and lost our intimacy with the Father because of rebellion. Listen to what the Bible says, Luke chapter 4. It says, So Jesus, that's the he here in Scripture, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. This is Isaiah 61, by the way. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And then Jesus began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. Jesus said, I am the anointed one. And today, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So look at that next point. So according to Jesus and according to Isaiah and according to God who inspired it all, Jesus is anointed. He is the anointed one, and he is anointed to preach or proclaim the good news to the poor. And it's not just the financially poor, it is actually the spiritually poor that we're going to recognize today. We're going to see today that Jesus has come to make a proclamation to those who are spiritually poor, to those who recognize their need for God. Listen to what the Bible says in Matthew 5 verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who acknowledge and recognize that they need God. Look at the very next scripture, Mark chapter 2. 
Mark chapter 2, Jesus is being criticized because he's eating with tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus said this, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. How many know Jesus came for the sick and not the well? Amen. He came for those who recognized their poverty, recognized their sickness, recognized that apart from Christ, they were dead in their sins and they were separate from God. I love Christianity because Christianity is not an exclusive club. It is an inclusive club. Jesus says, whosoever will, the rich, the poor, the black, the white, the red, the yellow, it doesn't matter if you're male or female, if you're young or old, whosoever will, let them come. Let them come. And the only way, I want you to hear this, the, the only thing that disqualifies you from being qualified for the gospel of salvation that brings redemption is this simple thing called pride. Because in order to qualify for salvation, you have to recognize that you're unqualified for salvation. In order to qualify for what Jesus came to do, you have to recognize that you're unqualified to earn what he came to do. It's not by works of flesh, but by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ that you and I can only be saved. How many of you know that you didn't do God a favor when you joined Team Jesus? <laughs> I don't know how many of our young kids, but I remember back in the day. How many of y'all remember going to school and maybe you was at PE or a recess and all of a sudden you had to pick teams? And you always had that one kid over there that did not have an athletic bone in their body, right? And they're looking at the dirt and they're kicking the dirt and they are praying fervently, Lord, somebody please pick me. Let me just tell you something. That kid's me and you. We weren't doing a God a favor when we joined Team Jesus. He was doing us a favor. <laughs> because the only thing that qualifies you to receive Jesus is that you have to recognize that you're unqualified to receive Jesus. That it's not the works of your flesh. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not intelligent enough. And you're not doing God any favors by coming to him. As a matter of fact, he saw us in our hopelessness and in our sinfulness. And God loved us anyway. And God said, I don't need them, but they need me. And I love them. And I'm willing to give my son as a sacrifice for their sins so that they can come out of the darkness of despair and experience the glorious light of salvation and redemption that I want to bring to them. See, the only thing that disqualifies you from receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ is a prideful, arrogant heart that simply says, I don't need God. And until we are willing to not only swallow our pride, but move through our pride and come out to a place of humility that says, God, I acknowledge that I have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and I need you. And not only I need you just when I get saved, but guess what? Now that I am saved, I even need you more than I ever needed you before. Because now I'm being called to live a life that's supernatural. And there's nothing supernatural in and of myself but in you, Lord. I believe I can live this life you've called me to live. You've called me to holiness and righteousness and purity and power. And in my flesh, nothing good dwells. But in the Spirit, come on somebody, I have life and I have it more abundantly. And so Jesus said, or the Bible says that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one that was anointed to preach and proclaim the good news that whosoever would acknowledge their need for him could enter in and be saved. How good is that news? Amen. 
Jesus went on there, or Isaiah went on as Jesus read Isaiah the prophet. And Jesus, look at that next point, is not just anointed to preach the gospel to the poor, but he's anointed to heal our broken hearts. He's anointed to heal our broken bodies. He's anointed to heal our broken lives. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. Psalms 147 verse 3 says this, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. You guys have heard me say this many times. The world only offers us painkillers, but God heals our hearts. Most of you know Kelly's testimony, 10-year battle of suicidal depression. When God healed her and delivered her now 20 years ago, she was taking 24 pills a day that were prescribed by doctors because all they could do was numb the pain. But God heals the heart. God does supernatural spiritual surgery. He reaches into the innermost recesses of our souls. And he makes us whole from the inside out. He does spiritual surgery. And if you're hurting and if you're broken and if you're wounded and if you're discouraged and if you're overwhelmed and you feel like your heart has been shattered in a million pieces, I want you to know there's a God, and there's a Savior, and there's a Messiah named Jesus. He is the anointed one, and he is anointed to heal the broken heart. Come on, somebody. He's anointed to heal your heart and make you whole. And all you got to do is come. Let me be honest with you. The very thing that keeps us from coming to God for salvation is the very thing that keeps us living in wounded brokenness. It's called pride. See, pride says my hurt is too deep. Pride says this struggle's lasted too long. Pride says God could not help me or wouldn't even understand what I'm going through. And pride causes me to push away from a God who heals instead of pull near to a God who heals, but he wants to heal our brokenhearted. He is anointed. And here's the good news about the fact that Jesus is not just anointed to heal. He is the anointed one that heals. <laughs> and that simply means this. My salvation and my healing is not wrapped up in me. My salvation and my healing is wrapped up in him. <laughs> and saving and healing is not what he does. It's who he is. He is the anointed one. <laughs> He is the healer of the brokenhearted. He is the one that is able to make us whole from the inside. But not only does he heal our hearts, but I love the fact that he also heals our bodies. Look with me in Psalms 103. Because the Bible says this, David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Look at verse 3. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Let me ask us a question today. How many of us really believe that God forgives all our sins and all our iniquities? Anybody believe that today? Anybody believe that? If you've been around, if you've read the Bible, or if you've been at Liberty Church long enough, you're going to realize God forgives it all. There's no sin too deep. There's no sin too dark. There's no line that you have crossed that God cannot forgive. He forgives all our iniquity, all our sin. And so it just makes sense that if we believe that he healed, that he forgives all our sins and all of our iniquities, the same God that says he forgives all is the same God that says he heals all. 
He heals all sickness and he heals all disease. He heals all cancer and he heals all diabetes. He heals all pain and he heals all sorrow. He is a God who heals. You might think, amen. You might think, well, Pastor Keith, I, I believe that and I know that. But how many times, how many times, how many times have we seen people that didn't get healed? And how many times have we seen people that didn't get restored? And I'm just going to tell you what I know to be true. And this is what I know to be true. This is what I've had to come to and settle in my heart. I cannot allow what I don't understand. I don't understand why everybody that prays to get healed doesn't get healed. I wish I could say I'm that smart, but I'm not. <laughs> But this is what I know. I can't allow what I don't understand to move me away from believing what God says is true. Thy word is truth. And if I believe that he forgives all my sins, then the same scripture also says he heals all my disease. We just, just two days ago on Friday, we preached the funeral of Miss Linda Golden, an amazing woman in our church. And I prayed and wished that she'd had many more years with us. But there was nobody at that funeral on Friday that didn't know that she lived a life and lived it well. The Bible says it's once appointed unto man to die, and after death, the judgment. And there is an appointment that we're all going to make. And I believe Miss Linda lived her life to the full. And I believe she left an amazing legacy, not only for her family, but for us to hold on to. And I've preached hundreds of funerals of people that I wanted and prayed that would be healed. And I still believe God heals. Because I've also seen the flip side of that coin. I've seen God heal. I've seen God redeem. I've seen God restore. Miss Terry's shaking her head over there because we've seen countless miracles in their family where there was a death sentence. And God said there's life where there was death. Many of you know Miss Melanie. Melanie's back there on the back row. She shared with me last week. She said, Pastor Keith, I want you to know I've been praying and believing for God to heal my diabetes. She said, and I put my glasses on a week or so ago, and I couldn't see. And I thought, oh, my gosh, my eyes have got worse. She went back to the eye doctor, and this is what she found out. Her eye, one of her eyes was a negative 153, and it was after that a zero. It went from negative 153 to zero. And the reason she couldn't see is because God was healing her eyes. Her glasses were too strong for the vision that God was giving her. And her sugar, she told me this morning, has been down at normal levels all this week. She told me last Sunday, I believe God is healing my eyes because God's healing my diabetes. Just two months ago, right here at an encounter retreat, right there in that spot, we saw a gentleman from our Holly Pond campus. His name is Mr. Taylor, who was touched and healed by the power of God, got out of a wheelchair and pushed his wheelchair home. And two months later, he's not set in that wheelchair, not one more time. Because God is a God who heals. And I don't understand it all, but I know it's true. Amen. And I don't have to understand everything, but I do have to believe the word. And the same word that says my sins are forgiven is the same word that says my God heals my disease. And I want us to just do something. I want us right now, if you're here this morning 
And you need healing in your body. I want you just to stand up. If you can't stand, I want you to raise your hand. If you need healing in your body, I want you just to stand up all over this place right now. If you're watching online, I want you to type in, I'm standing up, I'm believing for my healing. And this is what I want you to do. If you're standing near somebody and you can just reach out and touch them, not in a weird, crazy way, okay? So make it nice. If you could take their hand, why don't you just reach out and touch somebody? If not, just extend your hand toward the people that are standing by you. So, Father, today I thank you that Jesus is Messiah. He's anointed. He is the anointed one. Lord, healing is not what he does. It's who he is. He is the healer. And, Lord, your word says by his stripes we are healed. That you sent your word and healed all of our diseases. That you've forgiven all of our iniquities and healed all our sickness. So in the name of Jesus, I command all sickness and disease to be gone in Jesus' name. I command pain to leave the bodies of your people. I command healing and life under the anointing of Jesus Christ to fill the bodies of your people today. And in the name of Jesus, we receive. As we receive forgiveness of sins, today we receive healing of body. And we count it done. And we declare it is finished in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I want to challenge you if you stood today and you see manifestation of healing, and I believe you're going to, I want you to share that story. We want to hear your story because we want to share the testimony of a God that heals. Amen. Come on, somebody. He is a God that heals. Not only does he heal our hearts, not only does he heal our body, he heals our broken lives. Look at verse 4 and 5. It says, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. God will heal your body. God will heal your heart, and God will heal your life. He'll put your marriage back together. He'll put your relationships back together. He'll restore and redeem your finances. He is a God who heals all things. Amen. That next point, look at this. The Bible says that Jesus is anointed to proclaim liberty to the captives and set at liberty those who are oppressed. The word captive literally means a prisoner. Somebody that is in prison. Somebody that specifically that would be a prisoner of war that has been taken captive by the enemy. Understand what the Bible says. Jesus proclaims liberty, freedom to the captives. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is truth. And he proclaims liberty and truth. John chapter 8 says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. John 8, 36 says, Jesus speaking, he said, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. He proclaims liberty to the captives. He proclaims truth. Jesus is truth, and he proclaims truth. The moment you accept Christ, there is now a declaration of truth that begins to abide and dwell in you. There is this proclamation. Think about it. Every time you're confronted with fear, there's a voice of faith that wants to rise up. Every time you want to run and hide, there's that voice in you that says, Stand and be still and see the salvation of the Lord. He proclaims liberty, freedom through the truth of who he is and what he has come to do in our 
lives. Many of you have heard Kelly share that when she faces challenging situations, when she feels like she's getting overwhelmed in her mind, she has this little simple 10-second prayer that she prays, Holy Spirit, speak truth to me. Holy Spirit, speak truth to me. Because when you get overwhelmed and you get frustrated and you get discouraged and you get the spirit of truth, Jesus is the anointed one. He brings truth into the darkness. And think about this. Satan can only imprison you in bondage to the degree that he can deceive you into believing his lies. And every time you believe a lie, you build a prison. You shut the door. You lock yourself in a place of bondage. And it is the truth that sets us free. When you think back over your Christian journey, think about how many times you have found new levels of freedom and new levels of life and new levels of breakthrough, all because somewhere along the way you heard truth. Because truth sets us free. And Jesus is that proclaimer of truth because he is The truth. He is the anointed one who brings truth into our lives. But not only does he proclaim truth, listen to what the Bible says there. It also says that he sets at liberty those who are oppressed. The word oppression is a word for slavery. It's the picture of someone being driven by a harsh taskmaster. I want you to hear this today. Satan uses sin to entice us and bring us into bondage. The Bible says that we are a slave to whomever we choose to obey. I become a slave to sin, Paul said in Romans, if I obey sin, or I can become a servant of righteousness if I obey God. So think about this. Satan uses sin to bring us into bondage. And let me just read this to you so don't mess it up. So once, think about this, our choices determine who our master is. If I obey sin, I become mastered by sin. If I obey God, I become a son of righteousness. Our choices determine who our master is, and then our masters determine our choices. Once you choose and you choose and you choose to be a servant to sin, before you know it, that choice now masters you. We have a word for that in our culture today. It's called addiction. I can promise you I have very rarely ever met, I don't know if I can even remember one person that was bound in addiction that actually wanted to be bound. I don't know that I've ever met one drug addict, alcoholic, somebody addicted to pornography, somebody addicted to lust, somebody addicted to success. I don't think I've ever met one addict that wanted to be bound. But we become a servant to whom we obey. And when I choose to obey sin and follow the lies of the enemy, before I know it, my choice becomes my master. And I am now bound by the sin that has ensnared my soul. But here's the good news. Jesus came to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Not only does he proclaim truth, but his presence breaks the chains of bondage. Many of you know Pastor Rick. Pastor Rick is now the pastor of Stay Free Ministries. And Pastor Rick in our downtown campus was sitting in the back row. And one Sunday morning he stood up and said, God just set me free from crystal meth. Why? 
Because in that moment, he sensed the presence of God on his life, and he shouted out his freedom. And immediately, the chains of bondage were broken. Let me tell you why corporate worship is so important. It's so important because the Bible says that where two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst of them. There is a manifest presence of the, of the power of God when we gather together under the banner of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean God won't show up privately because he does all the time. But there is a special anointing that happens when we come together corporately that manifests the presence of God. You want to know, parents, why it's so important you got your children in children's church and your youth in youth group? Let me tell you why. Because they need to get in an atmosphere where the presence of God can set them free. I'm just telling you, we got a whole generation addicted to social media, addicted to pornography, addicted to their self-image and their identity being determined by how many likes and follows they get on social media. And if you don't put your children in an environment where the presence of God is, you're robbing them of an opportunity to experience the freedom that the presence of Jesus brings. He just shows up. You think about your life. How many encounters have you had where God, where God just showed up? Where God just moved? Where, where God just, in his presence, moved upon your heart and your life. And all of a sudden, things that had been a struggle for years became ended in a moment. Because of that's who he is. He is the anointed one. He is anointed to set at liberty. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. You may or may not know this scripture. The Bible says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That verse is the verse that we used to name this church. This church was birthed from that verse. We are Liberty Church. Why? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And there's freedom from chains and freedom from bondage. And all you've got to do is cry out because the God of heaven and earth not only wants to proclaim truth that sets the prisoners free, but he wants to bring his presence to break the oppression of the enemy and bring you out of bondage. He's a chain breaker. Can I get an amen from somebody today? Jesus is also anointed to give sight to the blind and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Think about this. Jesus opens our spiritual eyes. Through Jesus, we see what we could never see. We hear what we could never hear. We experience what we could never experience. Why? Because the things of God, the Bible says, are spiritually discerned. That's why the, the world will mock Christianity and mock our faith and mock the church because the things of God are spiritually discerned. In John chapter 3, listen to what Jesus said to Nicodemus. He said, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't see it. 2 Corinthians says that it is foolishness to those who don't believe. And all of a sudden, we wonder why the world mocks and why the world criticizes and why the world ridicules the local church. And we tell you why. Because they're blind. Just like you and I were. 
There was a time in each of our lives that many of us in this room once mocked and ridiculed and criticized and maybe even cursed God and Christianity. But Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one, opened your eyes. <laughs> and all of a sudden, one day, you saw something you'd never seen. You heard something you'd never heard. You experienced something you'd never experienced. And you thought, maybe there is a God. <laughs> And maybe he's after me <laughs> because he loves me and he wants to save me. How powerful, how powerful that is. He opens the eyes of the blind. First Corinthians chapter 2, the Bible says, The eye is not seen, nor is the ear heard, nor is entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Listen to this. The very next verse, it says, But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. Verse 12 says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. We can know those things. We can receive those things. Why? Because Jesus opens the blinded eyes. And all of a sudden we begin to see, we begin to hear, we begin to receive things we've never seen, heard, or received before. All because Jesus is the Messiah. He's the anointed one. And he opens the eyes of the blind so that we can receive from him. Let me, let me just encourage you in this. The same thing that keeps people from receiving salvation, the same thing that keeps people from receiving healing is the same thing that keeps people bound in darkness, pride. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. Guess what pride does? Pride doesn't acknowledge God. Pride says, I got this. Pride says, I'm going to make this financial decision. I'm not even going to pray about it. Pride says, I'm going to make this relational decision. I'm not even going to seek God for it. Pride says, I'm going to make this vocational change. I'm not even going to ask the Lord what He wants me to do. Pride makes decisions and choices without ever acknowledging God. And even though we've been given eyes that can see and ears that can hear and hearts that can receive, pride hardens our heart, blinds our eyes, and stops our ears from hearing the truth that we need. And then last but not least, the Bible says this, Jesus is anointed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of God's favor. I love the story, Luke 15, it's the story of the prodigal son. What a beautiful picture of the favor of God. What a beautiful picture of what Jesus has accomplished. He has paid the price. He has paved the way that we can be redeemed to the Father, that we can live in the year of the Lord's favor. The Bible says this, it says, today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. As a matter of fact, just think about how we mark our calendars, B.C., A.D., B.C. before Christ. A.D. is Latin. You know what A.D. means? In the year of our Lord. See, we're living in 2020. This is the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus brought the favor of God, the favor of the Father. Jesus created a new and a living way that we who were far from God could come to God, that we who were blinded could see, that we who were broken could be healed. It is the year of the Lord's favor. 
And what wasn't true prior to his birth is now true because of Jesus. Theologians calls it a dispensation of grace. Let me just say it like this. We are living under an open heaven with an open door of opportunity to enter in to the favor and fellowship of the Father. And like the prodigal son who was in the pig pen who finally ran home. And he said, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned before you and I'm not even worthy to be called your son. And his father said, go get the robe and put it on him. Go get a ring and put on his finger. Go get the sandals and put on his feet. Because my son was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, but now he is found. And I love that last verse. Look at that last verse, verse 24. He was dead and now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. I love this NLT. So now look what it says. So the party began. (laughs) The Bible says there's rejoicing in the presence of God over one sinner that repents. There's rejoicing. Let the party begin. Because Jesus is Messiah. And he has declared the year of the Lord's favor. Today's your day. Today's your day for salvation. Today's your day for healing. Today is your day for breakthrough. Today is your day for deliverance. Today's your day. Not because of who we are, but because of who He is. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. I want us to bow our heads together today. I want to ask our prayer teams if they would to go ahead and come. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you realize, Pastor Keith, I've never been saved. I've never been born again. I've never accepted Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And I want to do that today. We're going to pray a prayer in just a minute. And then I'm going to open the altar up in just a few moments. And we're going to go into our last song of worship. And we're going to give you an opportunity to come for prayer today. But if you're here and you don't know Jesus, this is your moment. Pastor Keith, I want to be born again. I want to be saved. I want to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, I want you just to raise your hand. I want you just to raise your hand. In person, online, just just hit that hand emoji, type in that chat box. I'm raising my hand. Today's the day of salvation. Today is the day of God's favor. There's no condemnation in Him today. Let me just give you some good news today. Prodigals can come home today. You've not went too far. You've not dug a hole too deep. There's not enough pigs or pig pens on planet Earth to keep you from the love of the Father. God loves you. He sent His Son for you. And if you need to come to Christ today, right now is your moment. Just lift your hand, just a simple hand that says, Today's my day, Pastor Keith. We're going to pray a salvation prayer with those that are here and those that are watching online. And and then we're going to stand to our feet. We're going to go into our last song of worship. And we're going to open the altar up. And if you need prayer, if you need healing, if you need deliverance, if you need restoration, if you just want somebody to agree with you, or you just want to come and kneel on the altar and pray before the Lord, the altar is going to be open as we go into that last song. But let's pray this sinner's prayer. When we say amen, I want you to stand to your feet. And we're going to open the altar. We're going to go to that last song. Let's say it together out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is Messiah. He was born. He lived. He died. And he rose again. I confess that I've sinned. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I want to be born again. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Won't you stand to your feet? Let's get ready to go on this last song of worship. If you prayed that prayer this morning, we love you. Welcome to the family. We want to take a journey with you and help you take those next steps of faith. Right now, if you need prayer for any reason, the altar is open. If you need healing in your body, if you need healing of a broken heart, if you need breakthrough or change to be abolished off your life, today is the day. We'd love to pray with you or you're welcome to come and just kneel before the Lord this morning as we go into our last song of worship. Let's praise Him today. Good to think come of who you are is The promises you make, they will uphold me. Yeah. <laughs> 